Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to episode 18, An Attitude of Gratitude. Gratitude is actually one of my favorite topics to discuss, and you know, it, it really hasn't been given the attention that it should have, and it goes along with mindfulness, like peace and carrots. You know, a lot of people don't realize how life-changing practicing gratitude can be, and you know, we've been talking about, you know, main theme of of you know becoming minecrafters is becoming the boss of your brain while well, gratitude you know rolls right into this you know in a way it's like basic physics you know when we fill up a container with anything there's less room for something else right so when we fill up our mind with gratitude positivity there's therefore less room for negativity so we've also talked about you know the magnificent mind the, magnific the magnificent mind is also wired for lazy, and it's wired to wander. So the brain is going to take the path of least resistance. So how I explain it to my students is picture three hiking paths, okay? One is, you know, got very, very tall weeds and pricker bushes, and you can hardly get through there. Thick, thick, thick brush. And I'll say the next path has tall grass, maybe some snakes. I'm not a fan, okay? Um, but it's still hard to get through. And then the third one looks like a putting green. Short, short, beautiful grass. And the brain has flip-flops on or bare feet. Okay, remember, easy, lazy, wandering, path of least resistance. So if you think, you know, which path is the brain going to take, the brain's going to take the cut grass, putting green, easiest to walk on, easiest to get through avenue. You know, so I want you to take a minute and think about what your putting green path is, your easy-to-walk-through path. Because for many people who have are ne the negative Nellies out there, or whatever, it can be something else. We're talking about gratitude today, so we'll stick with this. But that, that negativity, the thing is, you're going to continue to do what's easy and walk on that and take that cut grass path because the brain does what's familiar. And each and every time it finds that cut grass path, the brain is actually reinforced. It reinforces itself. So for someone who's kind of a habitual catastrophizer, let's say, you know, might be, oh, no, you know, the worst case scenario, preparing for this in shortstop stance, preparing for the worst case scenario, expending all this energy actually rehearsing what they might do if said circumstance happens, which, of course, you know, 95 to 98% of the time, it doesn't happen. So we wasted all those valuable life minutes and they're all sliding down the drain. Well, let's just say for this example, on any given day, you know, there's some event next week and the person's just rehearsing all of this. Each and every time they go down, that is their cut grass path. That's their putting green path that they they're so familiar on. It's like, OK, there's the White House. There's Labrador on the front steps. There's that big maple tree. This is I know where I am. I'm on the path of catastrophizing. And the brain will recognize that each and every time when it recognizes it, it's familiar it's the same old route to work kind of thing in the brain. It's reinforced. It's like, it's like get, you know, a dog sits and you give it a cookie. Or even more like we said before, it's like giving it a prime rib for, you know, for, for doing what it said. The brain is so excited that it's on a familiar path, that it's found what it's supposed to do, pleasing its owner, okay? And this is a powerful force to turn around. It can be done. Just realize, like we've said in previous episodes, that that the brain is like a toddler and it's going to have a tantrum first before it switches over to the gratitude network. 
this is what it can, this is what it comes down to. And gratitude can absolutely, you know, be a key factor in getting you to this place, living with, with attention and intention. These are the two big ones, attention and intention. So once again, like we've talked about before, here are the steps. Awareness. You've got to kind of become, I'm thinking of Dr. Philnet right now, like back in the day, say, how's that working for you? You know, we have to kind of become, you know, get to that place where we've also said, like, being sick and tired, being sick and tired. You've got to realize, like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Because to me, I was actually just having a conversation about this yesterday with someone. It comes down to, you know, being okay with just surviving through life, kind of wading through life like a swamp you know, one foot in front of the other. And there are times we have to do that. So disclaimer there, you know, but in general, you know, one foot in front of the other, wading through a swamp, yanking one foot out with and being fatigued all the way through. Do you really want to go through this fabulous, this fabulous play of life like that? Or do you want to live? I mean, actually live deliberately and enjoy your life minutes. Okay. So we have the awareness piece. I want to make a change. I don't want to be a negative Nelly anymore. Okay. Remember the progress, not perfection thing is also important here. Um, perfection is a bar and the word itself. I just please delete it out of you know your vocabulary. It's just so toxic because no one can reach that bar. You know, unless we're, you know, tr- walking across a lake and top of the water, which last I checked, none of us are right. Lower the bar um, and realize that we're human and that we're looking for progress. We're looking for being a little more, a little more grateful today than we were yesterday. If we're a little more grateful today or in this part of the day than we were this morning, we are successful. And tell yourself that. I'm successful. I've just had a grateful heart, head and head first, a grateful head and a grateful heart, grateful mind, grateful heart, and I am successful today. Okay, so one, step one, awareness. Step two, conscious choice, okay? And then step three is get a plan. So just like anything else, if we don't actually have a concrete plan, it's probably not going to be successful. It's like, oh, but it's touchy-feely gratitude. No, gratitude is real. It actually has its own frequency. And when we slap an fMRI in someone's head, which means uh, functional magnetic resonance imagery. So I'm sure most of you know what an fMRI is, and that's that very claustrophobic coffin-looking thing that um, you're asked to, to partake in that whole thing if you've blown out a knee in soccer or you know, whatever's going on. And a little f in front of it means functional magnetic Residence imagery and it tracks brain activity by the most active cells. The most active cells obviously use a lot of oxygen, so it tracks heat and movement and tracks the actual brain activity. So gratitude, positivity can actually be seen on an fMRI. So right there is the proof in the pudding. Even though we don't tend to use the word prove in psychology, they use you know things like demonstrate. However you want to say it, it's demonstrated. We know for sure the gratitude can be seen on an fMRI. So take that to the bank. Then after we're going to get a, after we get a plan, which is what we're going to do with that in a moment. Okay. Is we need to decide just like we're playing football or practicing cooking or pra- practicing anything else. That we need to practice it. Again, we're not looking for the P word of perfection. We're looking for the P word of progress. We need to practice it. Um, so we want the easiest way possible to make it the easiest for us. So we're going to do or talk about the 22nd rule which is um, enormously helpful in this. So in my, in my class, Minecraft, we, the students have they keep a gratitude journal from day one. And each day, and it's a little bit modified, it, um, Marty Seligman, I'm sure other people have had the idea too. Marty Seligman is definitely um, 
known for this, the gratitude journal. And his is just a little bit more involved. And of course, I'm a big fan of Marty. I simplified it just to get students to do it. So I would strongly encourage you to, you know, Google him and look him up because he talks about, you know, um, taking it even a few steps further. But for our purposes and for my Minecraft students, and it's worked really, really well for years now, is to get a gratitude journal and have them, you know, I ask them to pick one that's, that's inviting. You know, I said, just go to the dollar store, get one that, you know, if you like the Yankees or whatever, get that on the front. If you want a plain one and you're super artistic and, you know, want to sexy it up with stickers and art, do that. But you want it to be inviting. That's very, very important. Okay, so the gratitude journal is huge. It might sound like, oh, I can just say it. Well, here, here's the thing. You probably won't, or you might start out doing it, but after day three, then you miss one, then you miss two. But the other thing is that the power of the written word is huge. And my very dear friend Oprah says that. She's a very good friend of mine. She's just not aware. You know, we've talked about it. She also keeps a gratitude journal, has for years. There's so much to actually physically writing this down. I've done, I did this this morning. I've kept a gratitude journal for years, finished uh, that right before um, starting this podcast. And as far as wiring the neurons, there's there's miles and miles and miles of difference between simply saying, I am grateful for, and writing, I am grateful for. I mean, neurologically speaking, there's miles difference. And another thing um, is that the words I am grateful for matter. So in my Minecraft class, we have a routine. So we do one minute of mindfulness first every single day before class. So we can clear out our working memories and invite the learning brain to be free and available for all the new information that's going to come in in the class and all the sharing and awesome discussion discussion we're going to have. And right after that one minute of mindfulness, like clockwork, we do a gratitude share. And they have their journals with them, very important. And they can choose what they're grateful for on this day, or it could have been from Wednesday or last Sunday or whatever. The best friend came up on the weekend. And after like day two, they're pretty trained. We'll go around and we'll say, I am grateful for. And occasionally, especially when I have a large class, which for where I teach is, you know, 22 to 26 is huge. Where I teach usually it's like 15 students. But these classes tend to fill up Minecraft and positive psychology. So we'll go around and sometimes because it's a larger class, they'll be like, I am grateful for, I am grateful for, and then it's my dog, my mother. So I say, no, 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 okay, we got to come back to you. Just rephrase, I am grateful for my dog. I am grateful for my mother. I am grateful for my bearded dragon you know, whatever, because the words I am grateful for matter so much. To just whip around and do my family, my dog, dad's banana bread. No, it has to be, I am grateful for written in gratitude journal. And I have them write down three things. So for each day of the week, all seven days per week to the entire semester, there should be these little blocks of three sentences. Okay. I am grateful for, by the end of the semester, it's filled up and you would not believe what students say at the end, how much this has helped them and changed their wiring. So the book, The Happiness Advantage, is one of the books I use in my Minecraft class. And I read voraciously, as you may guess. And The Happiness Advantage is one of the best books I think I've read, especially on this topic, by Sean Aker, Harvard guy. And he just has, he's funny. He talks like it's like a regular conversation. And the great thing about this book and the book project that my students do is it's loaded with actual practical tips you know, we, we learn about the theory and then it's got these practical tips. So uh, Sean Aker's big message is through, throughout there is that the United States at least has the formula for happiness backwards. And obviously gratitude and happiness are closely linked, right? We increase gratitude 
there's a pretty good chance you're going to increase your level of happiness and well-being too. And we have it backwards here in the good old U.S. of A. In that, you know, once I'm successful, then I'll be happy. No, it's the absolute opposite. Once I achieve happiness, okay, we're not looking for perfect again, bad word. You know, most of the time, much of the time, once I achieve happiness, then I'll be successful because happiness attracts positivity, attracts good vibes, whether you're in a job interview, relationships, whatever. And gratitude is the key factor here. Gratitude attracts more gratitude, attracts more good things to happen like a magnet. So one of the tips that Sean Aker has in there is called the 20 is called the 22nd rule. And he has a bunch of different examples. He uses one with himself, which is kind of funny. Um, if any of you have ever you know, tried to get a good workout routine established and then, you know, he's just, you can't find your sneakers. You, you know, you, you've lost your key to your locker at the gym, you, whatever, whatever, whatever. The 22nd rule has, so within 20 seconds, it has to, you have to be ready to go. It has to be convenient. In other words, ultra convenient. So he talks about, when he's trying to get going with running or forget what, exactly what it was, but he actually slept in his gym clothes. So he was, when he woke up, he was ready to go out the door and do whatever it was. And that's exa- an example of the 20 second rule. So it can have us ready to go to do something. And, and, and it also can use, be used in a different way of preventing us from doing a habit that we'd like to shift. So another example would be if somebody wants to watch less TV a night. Okay. That means put the remote, someplace that's really inconvenient. So go talk it in a different bedroom, a different area of the house or out in the garage, even better. We have to go outside and get it. Or, you know, um, if you're in an apartment or something, go tuck it in the trunk of your car and then put the key to your car someplace else. So when you go to watch TV, you're like, Oh man, I forgot. I put the remote in the, in that box in the garage that's behind the freezer, or I put it in the car in the bottom of the duffel bag and my key to the cars in a different room. I forget it. I'll read a book. And it works like a charm, like a charm. So as I, I try very hard to, well, I practice honesty every day and I try very hard to live what I do. So everything I'm kind of sharing with all of you, I, I work at very hard, you know, myself. So with my gratitude journal, with the 20 second rule, I have my, my gratitude journal parked right on the windowsill of our bedroom. So I have to walk out, you know, walking out the door, I have to go buy it's right there. I have to go buy it. I grab it. It also has a pen looped in. There's this little string that wraps around my gratitude journal and there's a pen hooked right on there. So it is the easiest thing in the world. Even if it's day where I'm like, Oh, I got things to do. I'm like, you know, take, it literally takes less than one minute, no joke, 60 seconds to write. I am grateful for, you know, my golden retriever. I'm grateful. My child made it home safely last night. I'm grateful for the flowers. My husband brought me, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it, the 20 second rule works so well, rarely, rarely, rarely do I miss a day? And if I do miss a day, it's probably because I didn't put it back on the windowsill. Though this rarely happens. I, I, I practice gratitude every single day. And um, the gratitude journal is, is right there on the windowsill 99.9% of the time. Works really, really well. I have to tell you that students have had a whole lot to say about both the mindfulness and gratitude components of the course by the end of the course. You know, in the very beginning, I had mostly first years, not always, but so they're between, you know, they're 18, 19. And sometimes I get a, a handful of juniors and seniors, 21 and 22, basically very kind of traditional situation. And so in the first, you know, week of class, some of it can feel a little awkward. By the end of the class, 
they are so zenned out by the <laughs> minute of mindfulness that, you know, I can't always even pull them out of it, which is fine. Sometimes give them an extra minute. And the gratitude thing, they get excited to share, especially since they can choose, you know, whatever day they want. I don't care. You know, and saying I am grateful for, you know, my my roommate, you know, made a cake and da 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 da, you know, whatever it is. And they talk about it at the end. And I actually am thinking of a story right now that was um pretty huge. And the students like almost couldn't move when she was saying this. I had a student years ago, it had to be, I don't know, really long, like eight or nine years ago. And she uh, didn't ever miss a class. I mean, just was so into it. Hand was always up all the time. She was early. She stayed after, loved it. And she missed a couple of classes in a row. So, of course, I reached out and some of her, uh, her classmates reached out. Um, so come to find out, she was living at home. Her dad was probably, I think, like mid-40s maybe. Her dad had suffered a severe, 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 severe heart attack, as it almost didn't make it. Had a quadruple bypass, all that stuff. And it's very sudden through the family and a whole spin. And she was actually, most students live on campus. She was she was off campus living with him. And she this was towards the end of the semester. And she shared this with, with her classmates. And while tears were rolling down her eyes, she talked about, um, especially because she was off campus, that's, it doesn't happen as much where I teach. And she was saying how at night she had been sharing things happening in, um, in class, all the strategies they were doing, and how she was sharing about her gratitude journal with her family at dinner time. And when she was, you know, she was gone that week um, in, in the hospital with her, with, her, with her dad, she said that he asked her about she said, that, that book you're always talking about, that book that you write in. And she described him, she described him as macho guy. You know, he's, and she said, he looked over and he said, can you get me one too? And she said he, he had tears rolling down the side of his cheek. And it was a very powerful, very, very, very powerful. And then he began, began to say other things because he said, I, you know, I, I don't remember now, but I can, I can see what it's doing for you. And, but the fact that he asked her, to get him a gratitude journal after suffering a severe heart attack was just such an amazing um, thing for students to hear and for her to share. Uh, I just wanted to say it here because the thing is we don't want to wait preferably for something so life-changing as a, as a sudden heart attack to make a change like this. You know, um, we can have a much gentler nudge than, than this and to just kind of seize the moment today now and and attract practice gratitude and attract more gratitude into our lives in fact i like the word cultivate you know we live in vermont as you know and cultivate is a great word when we say cultivate gratitude we're surrounded by farms and it just when i think of the word cultivate i think of rich soil you know turning it over and making the little you know trenches and planting and seeds and growth you know the word cultivate dark rich soil would that just promotes growth. I love that. You know, to take today to start the process of cultivating, cultivating gratitude. As, as mentioned, you know, mindfulness and gratitude go together like peas and carrots. It's about, you know, paying attention in the moment to what's happening right now. And we can start out with, you know, waking up in the morning and I'm grateful that I'm alive. You know, think of the alternative here, okay? Kind of like I have a thing with birthdays. I love birthdays. And I just love, like, I've always thrown big, huge, like, theme things for my kids. And I love birthdays because they're not achievement or accomplishment oriented. 
you know, it's just celebrating who you are, that we're taking another breath today. Lots of good deep breaths today. Love birthdays. So waking up and realizing, you know, hey, I'm back. And I often look in the mirror because my husband's used to me. I'm like, wow, hey, beautiful, we're, we're back. We woke up on this side of the dirt, and that is a darn good thing. You know, not only am I alive, but my hands work, my legs work. Think of how our lives would change without being able to walk. And many people who don't, who don't have this ability are certainly aware, and arms for hugging, all of it. Um, and my personal big one, I think it's a personal big one for lots of people, is eyesight. It's eyesight. My youngest brother-in-law is almost entirely blind, 49 years old. He's two kids, and he was at home with those two kids most of the time when they were little. And I'm thinking, just getting through his day, and he's got a smile on most of the time, you know, 98% of the time when I've seen him. And it's it's just amazing where, you know, he doesn't have the freedom of other adults of being able to get in the car and just drive off and have some alone time or, you know, um, and when he works, he has to, you know, the cab ride, you know, is an hour there, hour back almost with, you know, he's got to pay for that. He doesn't have a huge wage all because of his sight and how much this has, you know, limited his freedom. I am so grateful for my eyesight. Never mind the big stuff like sunsets, being able to see your kids' faces like my brother-in-law. He could feel them. He can get an idea what they look like, but he didn't, couldn't see his son or daughter's faces. I mean, just imagine that. Just imagine that. And of course, he could quote unquote see in different ways. Um, and he, it's amazing his 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 attitude of gratitude that he's had since I've known him. You know, thank you for a functioning liver, functioning pancreas. I have another. I have a cousin who was a type one diabetic. You know, I found out when she was three years old. And she, you know, my aunt shipped her off to diabetic camp when she was like six, so she could learn. You know, all the insulin stuff and how to test her sugar at such a young age and all the things. Think of those. I'm a total foodie. I loved, I just do. I love to eat. I can't, I mean, how, never mind all the threatening stuff with diabetes, just the everyday, never mind being a teenager with diabetes. And teenagers are kind of known for, you know, stopping at Burger King after school and, you know, a few beers behind the garage and all that. And you can't, as a type one diabetic, you know, you can't even kind of have that, you know, regular teenage life safely anyway. Right. And there's just so much to be grateful for, so much to be grateful for. And, you know, gratitude is an attitude of mindfulness. And, you know, John Kabat-Zinn also talks about how gratitude is sort of directly linked to generosity and how good it feels to give ourselves over to life. I'm back. I'm back. I'm open to the universe. Bring it on. You know, when we give of ourselves um, authentically, and this brings joy to the other person, which then brings joy to us. Because, of course, you know, what we do to and for others, good or bad, also we do to ourselves, right? And this is another way to connect, to authentically connect. And, of course, it needs to be genuine and authentic because mindful giving means it's not about us, right, as much as we can help. And that it's just we know that we're giving mindfully when we're not exhausted, or as in Chinese medicine, they would say, like, if, if when, you're, when your chi is full and not feeling depleted, if we are giving in a codependent way, which is like kind of a mindless giving, kind of running around like our chicken with a head cut off to people please and get approval and all that, that's just ego driven. And that's not what we're talking about at all. That leads to emotional fatigue and often resentment. We're talking about a genuine sense, mindful giving, mindful generosity. 
where our, the attention is just to be authentically kind, caring, and giving to the other person. And gratitude leads to this type of giving. So basically, we want to thank the universe in advance, or if you pr- practice a particular faith, religion, good for you, tr- work it right in there. Thank the universe in advance for what all is already yours. Oprah says this. Denzel Washington says this. Thank you in advance for what is already yours. You know, we talked about, for me, eyesight is kind of like my default. You know, it, it, it's the, our lives would all be so much different without, you know, the ability to see. And certainly somebody who's hearing impaired or deaf um, is obviously their lives are changed dramatically too. Thank you for my ears. Thank you for the people in my life. And not just those I love, like those who are easy to love, but also thank you for the prickly pears because they make me grow. You know, and Rhonda Byrne talks about these prickly pears or difficult personalities, as we might say, as our own personal emotional trainers. Wow, is that good. And then, of course, at the far end of that, there's the toxics, but that's a conversation for another time. So let's say, you know, regular difficult people, those, those pains in the asses that can throw our day, throw our game, and kind of inadvertently or directly kind of force us to grow and to figure out a new game plan or get our game back and advance spiritually. And of course, with adversity comes resilience. And I myself certainly had a, a, a challenging childhood, as many of you who are listening did. And you know what? I wouldn't change anything. I'm not saying I want to relive it. I wouldn't change one thing. I'm so grateful for the courage that I was given and for the people who kind of landed in my lap, really, you know, and, and it kind of filled in those gaps. So grateful for the strength that I acquired through the whole thing. And you know what? At 55 years old, I wouldn't change one thing, not one thing about any of it, even most painful circumstances, you know, the tears and the fear that happened along the way for all of us, especially by the time you get to this age, I wouldn't change one thing because I'm so incredibly grateful for all the experiences with, the, with these amazing people that ended up crossing my path. And I'm grateful for the strength and I'm grateful again for the courage. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for who I am today. And on that lovely note, this is Kimberly Quinn signing off in Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.